0: Welcome to the family with
1: Doug Sprinthal,
2: co-host Catherine Brandt,
3: Tom Ryan, Andy Brent Bernard,
2: and Cassie Schrader.
0: We'll be right back with the new schedule for Thursday's Car Selling Secrets.
1: Yeah, it's baby.
0: Next. It
2: pumps. Yeah, baby.
0: It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and <laughs> it's gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you?
4: And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant.
0: We're going to carousel a secret at the very beginning <laughs> with Tom Ryan, and me.
1: Dougie. All right, we've got something really exciting. If you're a technician in the Twin Cities area, we're having a hiring fair next week. Here's the cool part. It's in a bar. Yoo-hoo. That's Yoo-hoo. right. Wow. Joe Censors, which is right next to our Toyota store, which is it's a funny thing about that. Everybody knows where Sensors is. Yeah. I yeah. have to tell them the Toyota store is right next to Sensors.
0: Just tell them what's the, where the rusty scupper used to be.
1: Right, where the scupper <laughs> used to be. Uh, it's Tuesday, August 13th, from 3.30 to 7.30 p.m., Wings and Works. It'll be uh, talking about all from entry-level text to master text, their signing bonuses, interview, all kinds of stuff. If you want more information, you can always reach out to me directly at Doug at Walzer.com.
0: Magnificent Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Walzer Automotive presents car selling secrets. Okay. Save the secrets.
1: You're not a very good backup singer.
0: Yeah, I'm a lead singer, not a backup singer. <laughs> I could do do up, do off. I could do that.
1: I should get you in the studio and we'll dub in some backup vocals. That would be on this thing. That'd be fun. Yeah,
0: we could do that.
1: Our special guest is an old friend of mine, Tom Ryan. Yeah, happens to be Paul and Andrews cousin, probably one of the best car salesmen I've ever met. Wow. And I do a little work for him on the side. He has a sales training company where he teaches uh, dealer groups all over North America that are interested in becoming one-price uh, selling dealers. But there's more. There's more? He's also a huge, How
2: can there be more? He's
1: a huge <laughs> book collector and Ooh, a great storyteller. So I'm just going to uh, wind him up. And he actually knows, a lot of people that you know, this story is really centered around Jack Jablonski because Tom's kids went to school oh, with him okay. and he stepped in after the accident. I'll turn it over to you to tell this story. Wow, thanks Doug. Um, you know, it,
3: it takes back uh, takes me back a little ways because I think it was, I'm trying to remember, but I think it was in December of 2010 when Jack got hurt, right before the new year. Mm-hmm. And so I had three kids that went to uh, BSM, Benilde St. Margaret. My oldest had already graduated. One was in Jack's class, Michael and Ellie, a couple years younger. And so when Jack got hurt, it, it really kind of rocked It rocked the whole community, yeah. I would say, uh, more so than just BSM. It was kind of the alignment of uh, the perfect storm. And I remember um, after the holiday, I, I actually had never met Jack or Mike or Leslie Jablonski And yet my kids were so shaken by this, they came to me literally in tears and said, you know, I don't think Jack will ever walk again, and is there anything we can do to help? And so I said, well, you know, nobody's going to write a check to make Jack walk again. And so the question is, how do we kind of accommodate the family and and make things a little easier. And sure. so I got to thinking, I was actually at the health club working out, and I thought, well, an easy one, to lay up in the car business, would be it's not likely Jack's coming home uh, in anything other than a wheelchair at that point. So I right. called my cousins, Paul and Andrew, and said, you know, would you put up some money? And I called uh, Maury Wagner, who's a wonderful man. He owned the Maury's Automotive Group. He threw in some money, and I called David Luther and uh combined I bet they threw in a hundred thousand dollars or so mm-hmm. and we went and bought Jack a uh, Honda van and had it all accessed for handicap which to th- this day I think he's still driving That's and great. yeah it was it was pretty cool that everybody the community kind of stepped up so as I was thinking I've collected books gosh for 30 40 years and um, I've got thousands of them at home. And so I told my uh, wife, I said, you know, I will reach out to some of the authors, and if they're willing to sign books, I will donate them, and we'll see if we can raise some money. So I got home on a Saturday, and I asked my wife who would, she's wonderful, she has all the stationery, all the fancy stuff that a guy would never have. And I said, so can I get a nice piece of stationery, a card, and I'm going to write a note. And she said, who are you going to write it to? And I said, "Uh, Harper Lee. And she said, well, good Love luck it. with that. Love it. And so literally, I went online to try to do a little research to find out where Harper Lee lived. And the answer was I really couldn't find anything. I tracked her sister down to Monroeville, Alabama. So I, I wrote a note explaining what I was attempting to do. I addressed it, Harper Lee, Monroeville. I picked the middle of three zip codes, no address, <laughs> and fired <laughs> this thing off. And so... I like Of of, of hope and a prayer. That is a
2: hope and a prayer. uh, About
3: three weeks went by, and and I'll never forget. Saturday, I came home, pulled up, opened the mailbox, and there was a letter from a law office. And of course, I went, God Uh, damn it, now uh, what?
1: what Not again. uh, What did Doug do now? Right. uh,
3: Who's after me? Uh, And uh, I opened it, and it was a letter from uh, Bug, Barnett, Carter, and Lee, which was the law offices that Harper Lee's father founded, who was the... Atticus Finch in the actual book. And so it was from a woman named Tanya Carter, and she said, um, Nell was moved by your story but has been out of the public eye for 60 years and doesn't sign books any longer. However, if you would enclose a letter from his priest or principal and send it with the books, she'd be happy to sign them.
2: Oh, my God.
3: That's phenomenal. And so I sent off. So at this point, I, I didn't know the Jablonskis, so I thought <laughs> I would better check in to see how they're going to feel <laughs> about exactly. this particular idea. And so I called Mike Jablonsky nice and, and He's a wonderful man. And so we've become really good friends. And literally, he was very moved to tears that she would do this for I him. And so yeah. I packaged up all the T-shirts, not that. Nell and Alice, her sister, who's 102 years old, who was her attorney, um, (laughs) and they lived together. And so I sent all of this stuff down with the books, and it took months, literally, to get these back. And in the interim, um, I had kind of befriended uh, Tanya, and over the years, we became very good friends. And at one point, she knew that I traveled all the time and asked if I was ever in Alabama, and I said, sure. I'm never in Alabama. But um, in this case, I would always be in Alabama. And so anyway, she said, how would you like to come down and have lunch with Nell? And oh my
0: God, how great is that? Yeah.
3: And so literally she said, well, I." so we set up a date and she said, why don't you fly into Mobile and then drive to a little town called Atmore. And when you get to Atmore, send me a note. And I'm like, a note. Yeah, exactly. Like, I how of, about just telling us carrier and,
2: pigeon? Talk. Yeah, right. And so I, <laughs> I
3: emailed her actually via my phone. When I got to Atmore, which was an hour and a half drive, I would say, out of Mobile, and she said, "Great, now come to Monroeville, and there's a Walmart. And when you get there, send me another text." Oh. And I'm like, "Come on, a little you secretive." Know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now I get there, and. Through this, um, now when I get to the Walmart, she says, come to the center of town, and it's just like the movie. The courthouse sits in the center of town, and she said, go all the way around the square. There's a nondescript brick building, and there is a door there, and I'll meet you there in 15 minutes. And I'm like, good God. Um, so almost, anyway, I do, and it's the it's office like giving of giving
2: ransom. Yeah <laughs> it,
3: it turns out it's the office of Bug Barnett, Carter and Lee. And so Nell is not there. We go in there and she said, I'm waiting for a package and I said, can't they just drop it off?" And she said, you know we don't give this address to anybody right. She said, we've had people uh, impersonate postal, UPS, uh, everything uh, yeah. trying to get to uh, Nell. So she said, let's wait 15 minutes. And so she walked me into Nell's office and said, why don't you just have a seat? And and so she was in the next room, and I kind of yelled to her and said, is there anything off limits? And she said, no. And I said, then I'm going to put this medal on, which was the Medal of Freedom given to her by President Bush. And it was sitting in a cabinet right there. And so I, I had to squeeze myself to sort of say, gosh. You know, how did this all happen? So anyway, we went over and met with Nell, and she was at that time your typical 800-year-old five-foot lady <laughs> with a <laughs> bad $8 haircut. Um, and so it's one of those things that you want to be careful about meeting your heroes because yeah. here's yeah, a sure. um, an older woman um, who obviously very, very successful, and um, at that time they were going through a whole bunch of issues about... Whether or not Tanya was kind of uh, elder abuse issues that were actually opened up, yeah, because no one could get access to Nell. She had a new book that was published called Mm "Go Set a Watchman." Right, and so it was a it was a really interesting. Kind of time I had obviously she sent me a copy signed copy of Go Set a Watchman as well for Christmas the year it came out, which I can't imagine there's many of those and she signed just a whole bunch of books. One of the unique things through this is she had asked for a a photo book of Jack. And when I got down there, the Jablonskis had put it together and it was on Harper Lee's mantle.
0: Oh, God, how great. Wow. And I
3: thought, how cool is that? And so anyway, so cool. though sort of to finish it up, I got back to her office, and I asked her, and I said, Tanya, how does how did it happen that I happened to end up in Monroeville in <laughs> Nell Harper Lee's office? And <laughs> she J- said— J.D. Oh,
1: Sollinger <laughs> was busy. Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> exactly. Busy. And so yeah. I, uh, women.
3: I uh, said— She said, well, come here, I'll show you. And so we walked down the hallway, and there was kind of a two-foot-long box by maybe a foot and a half foot and a half high, and it was completely full of mail, and she said, this is one week's mail. We get somewhere around 100,000 pieces a year. Really? Yeah, and she said, I've been here 17 years, and it's my job to take care of this, and I said, so you respond to them, and she said, well, go ahead and ask me how many I've responded to, and I said, let me have it, and she said, in the 17 years, I've responded to one, and that's yours.
2: Really? One. And why? And
3: she said, he's
2: a good salesman. i are a good salesman. Honest to
3: God, I have no idea. She walked by, she said, and she reached down in the box the only time ever, op- picked one out, opened it. It was mine. Oh my God. She had a nephew that had been paralyzed a year earlier oh, and I so think had connected. And yeah. she said, I don't open them because they're mostly kind of hard luck stories, Sure. and it would be overwhelming. And so yep. you are, she said, you are the first and only one that we have ever responded to.
2: That's amazing. It's a wonderful story.
3: And I thought, wow. And so then I reached out to uh, John Grisham. I reached out to Stephen King, <laughs> uh, Andrew Gross, uh, John Krakauer, your friend, Vince Flynn. And I think probably 20 of them, and uh, basically, I think it was Grisham said, look, if you got Harper Lee, how could I say no? Um,
2: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's a a lot of pressure. And then I actually
3: got, interestingly, I got an email from John wanting to buy four copies of, three copies, excuse me, of A Time to Kill. And he offered me $4,000 a piece for them, his own book. And I sent him back a note and said, aren't they worth more? They're signed. After all, um, <laughs>
1: you bumped, You tried to <laughs> bump him.
3: I, I did. He didn't go for it. it however, for it. no. no, no okay. And so I, I got back a smiley face and a thumbs down. Okay.
0: Um, yeah, there you go.
3: And so, but it was really an interesting. Um, it, it was just kind of one of those interesting times where everything kind of aligned. Yeah. And then it wasn't too long after that Nell passed away. Right. And I had and and Tanya called me the morning to tell me that. Nell had passed away, which I found I was sort of, imp- you know, I was uh, sad, but I was like, wow, I got a phone call letting me know uh, <laughs> some average guy in Minneapolis. And so anyway, we've had quite a relationship and it ended up being a great thing. And i very close now uh, to the Jablonskis and it was uh, sad, but uh, I got to say, Jack, and I think maybe you guys have met him or talked to him. Oh, yeah. He's a remarkable kid. Great, great guy. Is. I yeah, have just guy. never seen this kid in my life complain about anything. I mean, he really is, and I, I can't imagine yeah. the trauma of waking up yeah. and having no mobility. The first time I met him, he was in a halo, and it yeah. was it Sorry, was yeah. crazy. So uh, everybody said yes, but one author, which was kind of crazy that we had one. One said, "Call no. him out." Who was it? Uh, Cormac McCarthy. Oh, really? Yeah. Sure. And I really like No Country for Old Men. One yeah, of my yeah. favorite great, books. Right. And right. I have uh, guys I went to high school with um, uh, made the movie No Fargo. No, the Coen Brothers. The Cohen They're from brothers, St. Louis yeah. Park. Right. And one of my really or uh, pretty good friends from high school, a guy named Bob Hotman, who's an artist, was called out in the movie. So I called Bob and said, "Can you reach out to the Hotmans and or reach out to the Coens and see?" And their manager, I talked to him, who is the manager of Cormac McCarthy, and he said, it, not likely, but I will give it a shot. He simply never responded. Oh. So I can't say that he outright, you know, I mean, who knows. But Maybe he's I a interesting guy, I've heard. and Yeah. Um, well, most
0: authors are interesting yeah. people. And no yeah. Doubt about it.
3: And it's probably hard. They get, you know, people have their hand out all the time. Yeah, no, absolutely. No Those sorts of things. So
0: two things before we go to break. Yeah. Um, Number one, I, I uh, have to confess, I've had lunch with a very famous author, Bob Sansevier. So, you know. You <laughs> I know. forgot him. Yeah, you, why yeah. didn't you call Bob? You he could wrote have a at book. least got five bucks. Right. He book. <laughs> right. <laughs> An autograph. One of my favorite things about the Jablonskis, and I, I am sorry, what's Jack's younger brother's name? Uh, Matt. Matt. Yeah. Is yeah, it Matt? Right? I think it's Matt. I think you're right. Yep. I think it's Matt. So, they come into the studio. They, Jack came into the studio several times back in the day. Mm-hmm. And the first time he was in there, he Max. Goes, Max. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it is. It's Max. You're 100% right. So they're in studio, and, and Jack made a comment. And I said, you're an idiot. Like that, right? So we go to... And he starts laughing. He thinks it's wonderful. We go to break, and people came and said, why did you say that to him? I said, I'm not going to treat him any differently than everyone else. I'm going to treat him the same. And he really afterward yeah,
2: tom treats everybody poorly yes I everybody.
0: <laughs> equal opportunity It <laughs> pays well right jack was kind of teary-eyed and he said thank you for that he actually thanked me for for not
2: oh, coddling have, him yeah, the rest being of... condescending to him because he's in a chair that would be horrible the, yeah. Reason, yeah. the reason i, I asked max's insulting.
0: name is that we have him on the air And max at the time must not have been much more about 12 i think yeah, he wasn't very old. Because Jack was 16. Yeah. Wasn't he? So yeah. Max would have been in 12, 13, something like that. Seventh grade, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So I said, Max, what's up with you? And he goes, oh, I'm on KQRS. I've always had a dream about KQ. I said, What's that? And he goes, can we play porno movie
1: title or not? <laughs> I think we oh gotta take a break. We
2: gotta take a break.
0: He actually did. And the whole family just broke out laughing. It was wonderful. Funny. We'll be right back. More with Dougie and Tom and everybody, Carousel selling Secrets. And
2: the rest.
0: Or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK.
4: Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
0: We are back. Dougie's here. Car selling secrets.
1: Yeah, we've got a live call in line. If anybody wants to call in with questions, comments, or criticisms, it's always available 612 295 1526 at 612 295 we'll get to car stuff in a minute but i, I this book stuff is really fascinating it so is, yeah. if you're not in the know the collectib- the most collectible books are first editions. So it's the first time a book gets published, and you know the run can be really small, up to fairly large for a well-known author. But generally, when you're starting out, they're pretty small runs. And the most collectible of first editions are ones that are signed by the author. So I think we should have Tom tell the story of why John Grisham would buy his own book that he wrote, published, and signed. Back from Tom for Uh. $12,000. Three of them, actually. So
3: that was an interesting story, which I I actually went to John's office out in Charlottesville, uh, which was actually very cool. It overlooks the uh, Blue Ridge Mountains. And so it's all windows on one side. And the interesting thing about it, there's no one actually works there, but um, it's just a big it's office. Like here. It's show yeah, that's right. Office. Well, it's like our, our <laughs> office, right? Nobody works. But uh, Whoa, in the middle of the office oh. <laughs> was um, he had these, I want to say there were five rooms that had glass panels on one end, open on the other with a solid wall. And he had... The furniture from uh, each one of the movies, the chamber, the firm, runaway jury, and the client and and such. And so he had a scene from each one of the movies set in his office, and on the wall were all of the stars during the shooting of it. Mm. And so it was a a fascinating uh, kind of thing to see. And so I asked uh, John how... He came to uh, get to me to get these books. And I met a woman uh, who owned that bookstore in Blytheville, Arkansas, because I was trying to get books signed, and uh, her name is Mary Gay. And she had access to Grisham, and so he was signing books for me via Mary Gay. Mm -hmm. And so I had a lot of those books, and so she reached out to him. He agreed to sign books for Jablonski, and then he sent me an email. And when I got the email— Literally, I, I, it was from John Grisham, and I thought, well, of course it is. I thought it was really, JohnGrisham.com or something <laughs> yeah. telling me he had a new... And it, it was from him saying you know, that he had seen these books. And anyway, so I asked him how this came up. And so when he wrote A Time to Kill, which was 1989, he self-published. And he was in the House of Representatives in Mississippi, I believe, at that time. And he said, with nothing to do but write, because he had lots of time and... Was killing it in the courthouse, and so he wrote the book, self-published, printed five thousand copies, and he couldn't get. He made a deal with four bookstores. Mary Gay owned one of them, and the deal was that they would sell the books, and if they couldn't sell them, he had to buy them back. So the book it's didn't sell. It's the same sell.
1: deal Sansevier made Yeah, right. Yeah.
3: right. with, I think, with a Quick Trip. Exactly. Which, which
0: is why he's working four jobs. <laughs> right.
3: And so uh, the book did not sell. John bought it back. He put them in his garage. The garage flooded, and most of them were lost. Oh, no. And during that time, he had written a second book, which was called The Firm. And The Firm That's was the sold. One. Yeah. Uh, as a movie before it was published as a book. And so he got $600,000 for it in 1992. And at that time, he was rich uh, from uh, as far as he was concerned. And then Doubleday, who published the firm, bought the rights to A Time to Kill and republished it. And so now the original first edition books... Like Doug said, the first edition first printing are always worth the most money. Mm-hmm. And so those books became hard to get. Mm-hmm. And he had none of them. And the ironic thing is actually dust jackets are worth more than books are. Is that right? right? Yeah, by far. I didn't know and that. so yeah, so what happened was uh, recently I saw in an auction of first edition Gadsby jacket, which sold for hundred and ninety-two thousand dollars. Oh. Um, (laughs) And so what happened was the first books that were published were generally went out to libraries, and Mm. they discarded jackets because they were kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah, Yeah. sure. And they'd get ripped and ripped. And And so when you have a a small run like To Kill a Mockingbird, 5,000 of those books were printed in July of 1960. Uh, Most of the jackets probably or a significant number of them went away. And so that was part of the challenge, actually, for uh, doing the thing with Jack, was finding first edition, first printings with all of the jackets, Mm -hmm. which I went out, I I bought hundreds and hundreds of books um, to send off to all these, because I sent complete series to all of the authors to have them signed.
2: You're lucky you got them back?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, it, you know, it's a passion. So it didn't seem like much work to me. It seemed like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's how uh, the Grisham thing came about. And so really it was, uh, I, I remember it, it was tragic for Jack, um, probably good for the world, so to speak. A lot of eyes on spinal cord. Cord Research, sure. money raised, and the stars aligned, and Jack got picked, unfortunately. But they couldn't have picked a better representative, too. And
1: he's had some improvement, from what I understand, mm-hmm. hasn't he? Yeah, uh, yeah. So? Uh, Catherine and I mm-hmm. were talking
3: during the break about every now and then you do see something about yeah. Jack wiggling his toes, or he'll get a little more movement yeah. in his arms. And so yeah, I think th- that's a big thing, though, to be able to get a little movement in your arms. Sure to be able to become self-sufficient. And so there are quads. um, I think he was a C5. um, And so I think there are quads that uh, live pretty good, normal lives, self-sufficient, live on their own, drive, do all of those things. So uh, nobody's given up hope on Jack, I think.
0: No, and they never – he's a very – well, as you said, the entire family really, really – Class people all the way, high quality human beings. And Jack is just, from the very first time I ever met him, all those years—god, it's almost ten years yeah. already. Oh god. Yeah, it's amazing. But he was in a great mood. First time I mean, here's a kid. He's what seventeen. He's in a wheelchair. Got the greatest attitude of anybody I ever met. He's just like, hey, how you doing? I love your show, man. He's just talking about how how he loves the show. I'm like really? <laughs> Just a wonderful family, but you know, you could tell by the parents that that, that was going to happen. Good parenting, really good parents.
3: Yeah, just a interesting situation, and I think it was, it was way bigger than Benilde or Minneapolis. It sort of it got oh, a lot, yeah. of, lot of attention. It Bruce did. Springsteen flew in, mm-hmm. met with him. Did uh, he really? Yeah, yeah, I have a I picture that. of uh, the boss with Jack, and I think Gretzky came, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. You know, so there were a lot of. Big eyes on
0: this Hang on that a supported of it. Springsteen came to town and uh, <laughs> picking you know, up he,
1: some of the names you're dropping. <laughs> on the
0: <floor> quite, <laughs> quite I don't, I don't know these people, but uh, but those are
3: big names
0: to get that oh, kind yeah. of attention. Yeah, sure. You know who Spring who Springsteen hung out with when he came to town after that? Mm-mm. Kevin McHale. Really? Yeah, from wow. Boston. Played for the South. Oh home. yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. and he, you know, he, to, to Springsteen, McHale's an East Coast guy. You know, right. Yeah, that, see, that's what people should do. You know, you're that famous, you're that wealthy, you're that well-loved, or at least well-liked.
3: Right. Well, I, and I, I did, I believe, you know, my approach to getting that was, look, if you can sign your name to something and help, some, significantly help somebody's life, I think you should. Absolutely. If you're a public figure, you know, like yep. Vince. You know, most of them were, quite frankly, thrilled to help. And so, Great
0: Vince story for you. We go to uh, New Canaan, Connecticut for Christmas. Mitch Dolan was the president of ABC at the time. You know, he loved
1: working together. Christmas with Letterman? Isn't that where he lived? Yeah, he, he well, used to. we weren't to, there yeah. for
2: <clears throat> Christmas. It was around the holidays.
0: I did say before Christmas. Okay. That's what I did say. Right. Stop fighting. But
2: anyway, <laughs> no. we were there.
0: So we go to New Canaan and had dinner with Mitch Dolan and Franny, his lovely wife. And then... Uh, dirty bastard that used to own the station. He was there. Yeah. And uh, Brian Williams and, and Kate Williams, Brian Williams from N- NBC, and Vince and Lisa Flynn flew out with Catherine and me, right? So <laughs> Mitch says to him, before we leave Minneapolis, he goes, Vince, I, I know I barely know you, but you and you know Tom are good friends. So could I ask you, a couple of the neighbors would like you to sign a book when you come to dinner. He goes, oh yeah, not a problem. Don't worry about it. The, I'll oh. sign, whatever you need, right. Yeah. So we get there and we're you know having drinks and a glass of wine or whatever. And Vince said, well, if you want me to sign those books, <laughs> I can do that right now. He goes, yeah, they're in my office right here. Walks in, there are 50 mm-hmm. books. Yeah.
2: Vince was gone for like two hours. Vince was gone for two hours. <laughs> he missed the whole dinner because, party. He oh, yeah. Because he wow. was signing. They were all personalized.
0: Let me ask you a question about that. Because I understand personalized books don't sell as well as ones that just are signed. Is that correct?
3: Yeah. So interesting. So it depends on, like, I actually oh, still okay. have a book. Uh, so uh, Nell Harper Lee signed one to John Grisham. And so, oh, okay. Um, so if it's she signed to a him. famous person. Yeah. So if you're John Grisham and it's signed, yeah. it's good. So I uh, also sent a book from Dougie. You're the one that sort of turned me on to James, oh, Lee, James Burke. Lee Burke. And oh, so I love James Lee Burke. And so, James Lee Burke signed up uh, several
1: books to Harper Lee. So, so they were inscribed. This so this is how I find out that Tom is a book collector. So. All right. I, I had gotten turned on to James Lee Burke, read a whole bunch of his books. If you're, it, the guy, is uh, the protagonist, is a retired uh, New Orleans uh, police detective, recovering alcoholic, living out on the bayou, and solves all these murder mysteries. It feels a little like Longmire, actually, the mm-hmm. way those books are written. Yeah, Yeah, it does. Um, so I tell Tom, and I give him a couple, couple of them. And about a month later, I come into my little cube at the old corp, and there's four signed books from James Lee Burke and a note from Tom. Thanks so much. Really enjoy this guy. I said, how did you do that? So it's, <laughs> I had no idea you were a book collector until I was And, and thanks. And in fact, Sarah's reading one of them right now. She says, can I read the signed one? I said, yeah, just don't scribble out the signature. And right. That would be good. Wear, it with gloves. Of, Wear gloves. She's the daughter of a librarian, so she'll, right. she'll take good care of it.
0: I don't know that that whole thing. Catherine and I are battling right now because I've got a ton of books up in the attic, and she wants to give them all the goodwill.
3: No, don't. I mean, so it's interesting sometimes. <laughs> that that, those are of the of books it. that
0: no. show up all no. over none from
3: thrift is... shops that somebody has an original Alice in Wonderland that yeah. they don't. I mean, no, that, things.
2: I, I I know enough to look through them, and I pull out anything that might be of any interest. Yeah, most of it's like if you stretching across, for athletes. It is not. Yeah, you know, just dumb stuff. It's just. It is not. Yeah, that one's never yeah, been A been lot open. of it's crap. <laughs> right. A just lot of it's just. I don't even the know. The Swan by
0: Aldous Huxley. Do not give that one
2: away. Across. Oh, I gave that one I I away.
0: I wouldn't doubt it. Probably long gone.
3: That's the standing joke at our house. Is my kids will be lined up at half price books when
0: I die. <laughs> 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 and, um, I Here, I'll say this for ten dollars. Right, right, yeah. They'll all be gone. Ten
2: dollars. They give you about a buck. Right. I think.
0: I, I, books to be still, and it, Tom, it's kind of sad to me that books are not what they used to be. People do not like to hold a book. Anymore. I hate reading Kindle. Yeah, I I, like I'm, I'm with you. I like to hold a book in my hand and read it. Yeah, I But love they
2: take it. up so much room. No. <laughs> <laughs>
3: but there's something oh. about the smell, the feel, yeah. the, everything no about a uh, yep. hard, and I like hardcover books. I do too. And oh. so I'm, uh, you know, I think it's great. But uh, the Kindle and uh, people are probably reading more as a result of Absolutely. it. But, I um don't I don't know
2: if they are. I much?
3: Yeah. Uh, well, I well hope you so carry too. around
2: a, you know, a hardcover book traveling. It's heavy. Yeah. You know. Oh my yeah,
0: God! It makes you look baby. smart compared
2: wow. to a Kindle. <laughs> yeah. I just
0: bought all of Gene Shepherd's books, but they were only available in, in uh, paperback. I had all the hardcovers back. I don't know whatever happened on my hardcover versions. They're probably
2: up issue. in the library, but sitting it, right there. Gene <laughs>
0: Shepard was, I guess, most famous for A Christmas Story, uh, book that he wrote. And then he narrated a lot of things. Um, wrote a lot for Playboy back in the day when Playboy actually had uh, Anson Mount wrote for Playboy. Yeah, they had a lot of writers. A lot of great writers,
1: Published a lot of famous <clears throat> so did, authors, right? yeah, too.
0: They, yeah, they did. Absolutely, they did. But uh, if you've never read Gene Shepard Beyond A Christmas Story, I, ju- I just bought them again last week. And it's just, man, that guy's funny. But uh, East Chicago, he grew up in East Chicago, uh, which is in Indiana. It's amazing.
2: Did he write, do patent leather shoes really reflect up? Yes. That was hilarious. (laughs) The Catholics and the... Have you ever
0: read them, Tom? No, I haven't.
2: That the Catholics couldn't go on the sidewalk because the public school, they, they were the taxpayers and the Catholics. Yeah, the, the Christmas story I, was, was originally hilarious. a short
1: story, right? Yeah. It was all about the Red Rider BB gun. Yes. yes, yes. 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 exactly. My uncle right. was a big Gene Shepard fan. Oh, I love to, Gene Shepard. And they had That's some, they weren't audio books at the time, but I think there was just re- radio recordings of him reading his own stuff.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He did. He read them no. all. And, and I'll, I'll ruin one short story for you to, try to kind of writer this guy's. So it'll ruin the sh- story for him. but it's a short story. So it's called the uh, The Blind Date is the name of the story. And you read the whole thing about these friends, contact him, said, we want a blind date. And he goes, I don't want to go on a blind date. I've never met this woman. I don't want to do, or girl. He was a teenager. I've never met the girl. I don't want to go on a blind date. I just don't want to do that. And it goes on a little bit about how he finally agrees, okay, I'll go on the blind date. And they go out. Mm-hmm. And he meets the blind date, and she's this very pretty young woman, very smart, great manners and the rest of it. And the end, the last paragraph, he realizes he is the blind date. <laughs> it's a great story. I mean, it's you're the stiff here, pal, not right. her. <laughs> That's was so, so great. Oh, what a great story. we got to take a break, Pally.
1: All right, we'll be right back after these exciting uh, announcements from our sponsors. What are the things
0: you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house.
4: Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindall Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home.
0: Sabre and Bryant. Whatever it takes.
1: Ooh, Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets. Our studio line is open. <laughs> 612-295-1526. Um, we should probably talk some automotive stuff, as the first two segments have been book world, which well, I think is Gene a fascinating has a, car,
0: a book called The Red Ferrari. So, <laughs> there okay. we go. Now we're in.
4: Just Sorry. don't Have a book in your hand while driving. Yes. That's right.
3: Don't do that. At least not a Kindle. So here's my question (laughs) for Tom.
1: And Tom started out selling cars like most of us did accidentally in our early 20s, and there's very few of us that were actually good at it. Tom was one of the best and uh, really a a great negotiating car salesman. Why did you – what got you to the whole one-price business model? Because that's the total opposite of the way we grew up and the way we were trained. Yes. Our, our, our old job used to be to make as much money as humanly possible, really whether it was even ethical or not. Yeah, so it's
3: interesting. So when it was first introduced to us, you know, I started with the Walzer Automotive Group back in the late 70s. So back then, Paul and I were roommates as well and so he was my God, boss. Pity, so pity yeah. all
1: the women in the Twin Cities <laughs> back in those days. It was
3: horrible, a lot of bad behavior. Um, no, on a <laughs> Yeah, Hard no, to believe. Can't, couldn't happen. Um, <laughs> and so literally, I, I'm not sure whether I chose the industry or it chose me, but nonetheless, my father was a partner of Jack's for a long time. And in 2000, that's when Paul and Andrew decided to go down the road of upfront pricing. And I was the director of training and had been for a number of years. And I, I really wasn't terribly hip to it because I thought it would change or wreck kind of everything. Um, I, just, I think with the Internet and the information that's available today, I'm not sure it's our choice. I think it's consumer-driven. And so for, when I look at it, I think it's that customers aren't willing to tolerate the stuff that we once did and if it's not fast, simple, easy, I don't think most people do it. I look at, you know, you we, you and I traveled recently to Toronto to work with a group. And think how little interaction we have with anyone on everything we do. So when I buy airline tickets to checking in, to checking into the hotel, to getting the rental cars, you just don't talk to anybody. Yeah. And if it doesn't happen fast and easy, um, I, don't, I think customers are shying away from it. And that's why I think... Um, predominantly in the used car world with the compression of the margins as a result of the search criteria, if you're not on the first page of a Google search, the answer is people don't find you. The old adage is, there a page two, And the answer is nobody knows. And so nobody looks past whatever that first page is. And so in order to do that, margins have been compressed in order to simply get the visibility. And now with millennials... Um, Everything in our world, you know, it's. I have a, a client out in Portland, and when I, I take the train from the airport downtown, that's where they are. I have a Safeway app. The groceries m- beat me to the hotel. Wow. You know, I mean, and, yeah. and that ten years ago really wasn't a thought. No. Very much until
1: so speaking of that, changes. I didn't ask you this question. So when we were in Toronto, we were the Tom was there for a week, and I was there for three days, kind of watching him and learning after one session he goes hey let's swing by the grocery store i want to pick up a few things he buys three containers of yogurt uh two packets of pre-made jello yeah and two cans of ready whip yeah and edamame right
0: <laughs> and edamame. What? what diet is that well it's uh, you
3: know what i have such a uh, you know i'm in the program so i've yes. been dry for 39 years and so i have a bit of a sweet tooth i think from The absence of the 40 years worth of alcohol that I actually consumed in the first 20 years of my life. Um, And so, along with everything else that made its way in there. um, Yeah, but I have just a hell of a sweet tooth. And yet, I'm trying not to be as big as a house. And I travel, you know, almost every day. And so I've had 80 some trips this year so far. And so it's, yeah, I should.
2: I mean you stuck some mommy in there. I did. So, I did. Actually
3: good. I'm usually pretty good about it, but I love sweets. Yeah. And so I'm trying right. not to do is... so the the I didn't jello and some stuff, sort of
1: psychotic. No. no <laughs> it just you know what it, like it doesn't you
3: know. have a lot of calories and it's not terribly awful for you. Right. Okay. Right. And so that's, that's kind of and I actually like yogurt.
1: So. I, I do
3: too. I I just it's the Yeah. <laughs> but it was interesting. So we were um <laughs> um, with the whole one price thing, you know, we're working with a group up in Toronto, which is the, I mean, to get your arms around it, they're the largest Porsche dealer in the world. In
4: Toronto? And I, in Toronto.
3: Hmm. Uh, largest a McLaren city. dealer. How do they afford it? In
2: Toronto.
3: Oh, Isn't my god. Are 80% taxes? <laughs> uh, 13% sales tax on a car.
2: Oh, yeah. Is that real? Right yeah. Right? yeah.
3: That's yeah. Gotta hurt. But, I mean, to give you an idea, we have a little Porsche store down in uh, Wichita. And it sells five or six new cars. They did 147 new Porsches last month. So wow, that's God. unbelievable for that market. It's just a- Unbelievable market up there, people and don't so know. I think
0: it's all changing. People don't know Toronto's bigger than Chicago. Yeah, yeah. fourth largest huge. city
3: in uh, North America. In North America.
2: Yeah, yeah we haven't no. been there in probably twenty years. We wouldn't even recognize it. I'm no. sure. No, no. You anymore.
1: should learn to speak Mandarin if you're going.
3: Yeah. So all of our oh, really? propaganda yeah, is. In I thought Mandarin. it was just a
1: bunch of old drunk hockey players, you know, no. slugging down maple <laughs> syrup. I'm like, wow, it's people here from all over the world. How did that happen?
3: Yeah. Yeah, so it's, so the whole one price thing really, uh, what's interesting for Walzer is that I grew up in what I would consider a fairly small community in Minneapolis, um, and I've always looked at the car business as being slow and kind of ass backwards, um, and the reality is they're re- really, really solid business people that are great at uh, a complex sales process selling highly non-differentiated products. And when you look at people like Walzer and Dougie, you've had a little so bit of. So, what he's
1: saying is that our Corollas are exactly the same as everybody yeah. else's Corollas.
3: And so, the question is how do you create the specialness and the differentiation in something that's not highly different? And I think the Walzers have, they really do a great job of. Bringing that to the market. Uh, uh, Minneapolis St. Paul is the hotbed for
1: one price selling. Well, Um, and you have to give yourself some of the credit. So, this is what happened in 2010, 11. Oh, Maurice. Yeah. Um, So, (laughs) (laughs) there was a little conflict at the Walzer Automotive Group, and Tom said F that, and Maurice had been recruiting him. So, he went and taught Maurice how to be a one price dealer. And so, that's, uh, and they've been, they did a really good job with it. Yeah. uh, uh, and 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 others have followed suit in this market, but that's very unusual across the country. Usually, there's only one kind of lone soldier right you know battling the tides
3: but i, I you know interestingly, Carl's now a partner, yeah with the Walzer Automotive Group, who Carl Schmidt was running the Morris Automotive group, and so they've kind of everyone came together, everything in the family end was kind of mended, but I think it's uh, driven by forward thinking. I think Maury's, I think Walzer, I think are really on the forefront of something that's... The phone's ringing more than it's ever rang in my world about yeah. people wanting to make their car buying experiences different and easier for people. It's People are just tired of the back and forth the bs mm-hmm. and it just it doesn't need to be that way oh. and now you can buy a car walls are in less than an hour and and you're protect you can't buy the wrong car the prices are clearly marked the people aren't paid on commission so they price their cars not their customers and if you ended up buying one you can return it and so there is no cooling off period in the state of minnesota but with oh. Walzer, they you're protected, and so well, I can send Catherine's my daughter. actually, a realtor,
1: in. so in your world there is. So the way the the trigger closing. is if you do <laughs> if you do business at somebody's home, yes. there is a three day cooling, cooling off off period. period. If you go to somebody's place of business under Minnesota law, there, there is not. And oddly enough, if you look on the internet, there's a lot of people that think they're attorneys and understand all this, but they they don't. Right. So.
3: So it's interesting. I think the Walsers have been ahead of that. The protection it uh, yields me is the idea that I could simply send my youngest daughter to a dealership. And I always say, Ellie, my youngest is kind of $10,000 waiting to happen. Um, at a dealership, right? I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. she she would just get put together, not because she's a dumb kid, because she simply is an unaware consumer at 21 years old. Sure. Uh, with Walzer, the answer is nothing bad can happen. And I love that right. uh, for everybody to be able to go in there. So if Doug's a great negotiator and Catherine's not, they get the same price. And right. so it's, it, it, I, I always dislike the idea of pricing the customer more than the car so depending on your inability to negotiate we would simply take advantage
0: of that
1: yeah in the old days when i sent friends and it's like okay if bill isn't there run yeah get the hell out <laughs> yeah. um and today you yeah. don't have to worry about anything
0: and well so, i don't anyway because for the last 10 years here's how it works for me Doug. Hey, Tom, you should buy this car. Me. Okay. <laughs> that's only <laughs> well, been for the last 10 years. That's but that's the been. trust and confidence right.
3: that they don't that, have most you're everywhere right. else. You're and so. Right.
0: Well, I don't know about drugs. So here's Doug. <laughs> there yeah. you go.
2: Well, I think with the whole world becoming more of an a la carte and everything being so convenient for people, you know, on the internet and every, you can, like you said, groceries at your hotel door before you even right. get there, people just don't want to put up with any sort of haggling anymore. No. It's just not. Uh Uh-oh, Alex is here. It used to be kind of a sport and kind of fun for some people.
1: And it still is for some people. There's a a percentage of the population that loves to do that. Alex?
2: Not me. Not for a car.
0: Are you a Harper
2: Lee fan? I thought you were To Kill a
0: Mockingbird. He met her. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, you should listen to this podcast (laughs) because the first two segments were all about book collecting. Oh my God, it was a great story. Alex, you have to listen to it. It was a great story. Even Andy got excited. I I saw it.
1: So I have one more bad thing to tell you about Tom.
0: (laughs) Which Tom? That Tom. Oh, I thought you were talking about tell that Tom about this one. These
1: buddies with Shelby.
0: Oh God! Oh, yeah, I, Don. I, I, I like, oh, I Don's love a great guy. Yeah, he's show. a great guy. He is a really great guy. Very well educated. I miss giving him
2: so much crap. I know. know. So <laughs> <not> fun. <And laughs> one thing about when he Don just... was on this
0: podcast several years ago. Nobody liked to drop the F bomb more than that. Oh, oh
1: god.
4: Whoa. His, <laughs> his,
1: his nickname was Don F. U. Shelby.
4: So interesting,
3: ball. so I met him at the health club originally, the one I work out at, and he's got ink on his back and oh, ears yeah. are pierced. <laughs> he's and nuts. Yeah, no, I mean you <laughs> know I yeah, used to seeing him on the news and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa.
4: Yeah, Check really this out. So <laughs> yeah, the first he time really I met him was doing this guy.
1: six or seven years ago, whenever it was, and mm-hmm. he start. He, he was sitting where Cassie was, and I'm looking at him, and he's starting to talk to me and ask me questions, and I'm like, oh, I'm not watching TV. I'm supposed <laughs> to say something. It was just yeah. the Talks, TV's talking feeling. back. That's to That's right. You. Yeah. It's like Miss to. Jean's romp room. I see. It's your
4: birthday.
3: Yeah. How did you, you know, know he that? was there during the. the again, was the perfect timing for him the money ran out it did no you're <laughs> absolutely right it changed and you're so right. uh, that job isn't what it was that's right during Don's no, no, tenure. I mean,
0: well, Paul Don's Majors and Don, and Don Shelby were probably the last two that collected the big dough. Yeah. I don't know, Frank and Amelia probably do pretty well, but not yeah, like sure that. No, those
1: were million-dollar jobs.
0: They were, rate yeah, rate. they were a million, million and a half, something like that. Absolutely. They, they
1: still are, it's just every, you can only get paid every 10 years.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how much a news anchor job
1: pays now.
2: I don't know, I, I watch the news and I'm like, who are all these people? I There's know. a new person on yeah, every 15 minutes, I'm oh, like, well, what I'll give you a
0: tip off why that is, though. And it's actually a mistake because in television, the the numbers should actually be 40 to 80, not 18 to 49. It's ridiculous that those are the numbers they're looking for in television. The average person watching broadcast television, ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox, the average age of a person watching those shows is 59 years old. Really? Now, that sounds bad. It sounds like, oh, that's too old. Fifty-five plus Americans hold two hundred and thirty-one trillion dollars. Yeah, we in got all
1: the dough. <laughs> it's true. Right. That's and where all not the money giving
2: is. Even you, any? So get <laughs> off our
1: lawn, Alex. But, but
0: television has totally mishandled that. They do not understand how to handle that audience, and I don't know why.
2: Well, what's interesting to me is it. You know, well, of course, journalism isn't even journalism anymore well, for the most part. Local news, I think, still is pretty much, but um, it used to be the trusted news source. And to trust somebody, you need to know them, and they need to yeah. have some longevity true. on the right. air. And if you just keep changing out for, you know, what is it, anchors dot temp? <laughs> they do. I don't even know. <laughs> they're not. They're That's not there true. for very long at all.
0: You know, so weird about Don Shelby. I I I am an odd human being in that people send me things and I open them like five years later. I don't know. It just happens. Even like, mine. Well, not yours all
2: Christmas presents all
0: Christmas presents but I I I opened a letter I had gotten uh, from I think it was City Pages or Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine one of those about an interview that I had done with him five years ago and Don Shelby made these comments and I had never seen the article so five years later I'm reading the article and Don Shelby's just being the greatest guy in the world being so nice unbelievable so I called him. I said, "Thanks, Don." He goes, "For what?" And I said, "Those things you said five years
2: ago." <laughs> a little late. It was very. Right.
0: No, it wasn't too late. He was like, "Well, that's great. I mean, yeah, that's, that's wonderful." But that's nice. I do think the world of Don Shelby. He's a great guy. He is a good guy. Last time I saw him was at Frank Vassalero's mother's funeral, and Mark Rosen was there. And there's another guy I think the world of. And it's really interesting when you have a six foot six, about what two hundred and fifty pound guy. That Hugs you and starts crying because he misses hanging out with you.
1: Did he smell like coffee? Rosen, yeah, he always does. Oh, god, he drinks a lot of commercials with him. I'm like, wow,
0: all right, we got to think is this over <laughs> it's already? Over. This it's gonna be over already, already. I told you. Tom. You got to come back and talk. Do you do a podcast? You should do a podcast. You'd make a lot of dough, know. man. I'm telling you. <laughs> people would love to hear You should do a, a podcast about books.
1: See, you were nervous last night. I well, get the text. I, should I'd I have do to any look preparing? To
0: you. No, you should, honestly, because right. people would love to hear your takes on all these different people you've known. The people, I mean, the fact that you even met Harper Lee is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You should think about that. Uh,
3: I'm game. I'm it was game. a lot of fun. Thank we'll you see, all for having me. I'll call
0: Paul me. see if we can get the can get advertiser for you. There you go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, cuz. Right. Hey,
0: cuz, how you doing? This is a show Tom for run. kids
1: with dads. So we'll get to that later. Thank
0: you so much. <laughs> Thank great, you. Great, great. Come back soon. I'd love to have you back on and talk more about this. Anytime. Doug, Happy that's to Car do Selling it. Secrets. You were Episode
1: hit. 20. I told you. I just bring in good guests and sit back and watch you guys do all the work. It's <laughs> awesome. Episode 20 already? <laughs> yep. Ah. Episode 20.
2: I've been singing that <laughs> jingle again, Tom for Tony's
1: 20- Thank you. <laughs> we'll be back <laughs> with the family.